Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Hey, I'll tell you, we had such a great time taking the show out on the road yesterday, doing the show from Main Street, Warden, Montana. But it's great to be back in studio today because now we can take more of your phone calls and you can be heard all across Montana. Coming up after our 920 break, we're going to open up the phone lines, anything and everything you want to talk about on this show. Uh, but, but first, we got a great opportunity here to catch up with uh, Montana's U.S. Senator Steve Daines on a number of topics. We just had the Iowa caucus uh, results, uh, big uh, victory, historic victory uh, for President Donald J. Trump in Iowa earlier this week. What does that mean moving forward? Uh, plus, you know, our southern border, the invasion there. What's the latest on the border security negotiations on Capitol Hill? Uh, but first, uh, uh, first, uh, Senator Steve Daines, thanks for being with us this morning and uh uh, I don't know if the, you can call it global warming yet, but at least we're above zero finally here uh, this week. Well, we could use a little increase in the temperature, Aaron, last time I checked. Yeah, golly, what was it, 44 below zero when you were in Bozeman the other day? And, uh, you know, that's just a, a, a normal walk to school when I was a kid on the High Line. Well, I know, uh, uphill both ways for sure, I'm sure, Aaron. But, I, I uh, you know, I remember those winters, some on the line remember uh, the winters of the late 70s in Montana. When I, that's when I was going to high school in Bozeman. And, you know, it started to feel like that. We had uh, minus 44 at the Bozeman Airport. That's ambient. That's without windshield. The windshield was minus 68 that morning. But I tell you what, that shuts about everything down. But it doesn't shut Montanans down. We were we were out getting wood, keeping the uh, the fireplace going. But uh, uh, it's nice to see a little warmer temperature. It's got to be really, really hard for those who are calving this time of year. That is a tough, tough tough horse to drive. That's right. We can all uh, joke about it, but for the, the ranchers that are out there checking on cattle, oh man, it's it's brutal. I mean, I, I felt the, the chill in my bones just trying to help our oldest uh, son change out a car battery uh, yesterday even after it had warmed up by 30, 40 degrees. Uh, well, we don't, you know, the Middle East is absolutely... By, by, by the way, Aaron, I think it's just worth uh, one comment what happened just as a reminder on energy. You look at those northwestern energy charts around what bailed us out when it was cold in Montana. Look, it was natural gas and coal. It wasn't the windmills. And I think that's really important that we're educating those students at the high schools across Montana around how important baseload power is, how important it is you have fossil fuels because it literally is life-threatening without them. That's right. In Montana, before the Democrats started attacking coal strip and pushing this Green New Deal nonsense, we were a net exporter of power. And then during this Arctic blast over the past few days, Northwestern Energy had a spike and had to import electricity once again. All right. Great point there by Montana Senator Steve Daines. Hold that thought. we got to take a quick break, and then we'll jump right into it. Uh, the Biden administration finally going to redesignate the Houthis as a terrorist group. Huh. Senator Steve Daines called for this action months ago, you know, before they shut down the Red Sea and commercial shipping routes and before they started launching uh, all these uh, missile attacks against our troops. So stand by. Lots to follow. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. 
All right, we want to talk about the Houthis and the terrorist attacks in the Middle East against our troops and more, plus the Iowa caucus results, but we're America first, so let's start with the most important issue, which is the need to shut down this invasion on our southern border. Senator Daines, I know you and I caught up before the Christmas break, and and things were looking very optimistic that that Senate Republicans would unite uh, along with House Republicans to finally demand a significant action on our southern border. What's the latest you're hearing in these negotiations well first of all we've got to demand action on the southern border to seal the southern border this is not a some kind of a bipartisan immigration debate uh this is not about immigration this is about national security it's about fundamentally fundamentally securing the southern border it is out of control the mexican cartels have command and control on the southern border uh, there is there's a lot of pushback right now from Speaker Johnson in the House about what uh, where this negotiation is headed. I want to see the latest in terms of progress they're making on issues of asylum and parole. Remember something, uh, Aaron. This is primarily a policy fight. Now there is also a funding battle here about funding the wall. By the way, walls work. We should build out the wall. There should not be any debate about that. You talk to any Border Patrol agent, they will tell you that walls work. But that's not sufficient. You need the walls, but then you also need the policies that President Trump had in place when he was president that takes away the incentive for people to risk their lives, pay 5000 bucks to a Mexican cartel to come across our southern border. That's a policy issue on asylum and on parole that left wants to see open borders. The left wants to see this flood of 8 million coming into our country. That's all part of their strategy. So this is the fight at the moment. Again, not an immigration bipartisan battle. This is a battle about national security. That's right. And all you've got to do, as you pointed out, is put back into effect the policies that Donald Trump put into effect. And and that ties in with the Houthis uh, in designating the Houthis as a terrorist group. Uh, again, put the Trump policy back in effect here. In fact, you called for just that uh, over two months ago, nearly three months ago. You called for you introduced a bill to redesignate the Houthis as a foreign terrorist organization. Now the Biden administration is finally going to do something, but they waited until after commercial vessels were com- put to a complete halt and after all of these attacks on our own American troops. You know, one of the, the one of many problems with the Democrats and with President Biden is a lack of moral clarity. One of the first responsibilities you have if you're commander-in-chief or if you are a United States senator is at least understanding who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Let me just be clear. The bad guys at this moment are Iran and their proxies, which are Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Houthis. This is another Iranian terror organization based in Yemen, launching cruise missiles at Israel. We've got U.S. destroyers taking these missiles out of the air, literally. Trump had been designated as a terrorist organization. I introduced a bill months ago telling President Biden you should put them back on the terrorist list. Well, the, the, the partial good news here is that Biden now says, okay, I should do that. But as we've investigated this further, it's almost as if he only kind of went halfway and not the full way. He removed this designation and took them off the foreign terrorist organization in his first month as president. 
But now he's put him. He's kind of restored, let's just say, half the designation versus the full designation. So it's a step in the right direction, but it's one more example of the left. They just lack moral clarity on who the good guys are and the bad guys are. They just are afraid they might offend somebody. Look, that goes back to the negotiations we had back with Barack Obama on the Iran nuclear deal. A terrible deal. But the left thought, and John Tester thought that was a good idea, to have some kind of a peace treaty with Iran on nuclear capabilities. Look, anybody who puts death to America, death to Israel, and paints on the side of the missiles, you don't negotiate with them. Those are terror organizations. Those are enemies. Those aren't friends. That's right, and Tehran John supported that uh, Iranian uh, deal. They're trying to put the genie back in the bottle with all the problems that they unleashed, uh, not just in America on our southern border, but in the Middle East as well. You know, this ties in with the Iowa caucus results. Hey, just do what Trump did and you can fix this and you can fix that and you can fix those things and you can fix these things donald trump not just with a win in the iowa caucuses earlier this week and historic victory vivek already dropped out now more and more people are calling for something you already called for what weeks ago maybe months ago you said hey it's time donald trump is the the man he's the nominee it's time for conservatives to rally around trump and the other candidates need to do just that Look, President Trump dominated Iowa. There's 99 counties in Iowa. He won 98 of them. The one county he lost, Johnson County, where the University of Iowa is, that was Nikki Haley beat him by one vote, and that's because there were Democrats showing up and changing their party registration to Republican so they could vote for Nikki Haley. Those weren't Republicans voting for Nikki Haley there. Those were Democrats who were switching to try to stop Trump. Uh, and look, the sooner the Republicans can unite, the better off we're going to be. Tim Scott said it really well. He said the path to socialism runs through a divided Republican Party. Look, primaries primaries are a good thing generally but once you once we figure out who our nominee is going to be it's time to unite because at this point it's only going to hurt president trump to be divided he if you heard his his uh, victory speech in iowa it was very uniting about coming together so i respect the other candidates i respect what they stand for but we can disagree it's time that we get behind president trump he's gonna be the nominee he's gonna be the next president of the united states all right senator steve Daines, great to catch up with you by the way one of our listeners asked a really funny question what were the results of the democrat caucuses in iowa <laughs> oh, oh they don't believe in democracy oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, doggone it, they didn't want to have one because they're afraid of what the heartland might say. I think No elections. <laughs> Democracy. <laughs> All right, sorry to screech in your ear. Thanks for your time, right. Senator. Great to catch Thanks, up. Thanks, Aaron. See Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. This is where Montana Talks. Yeah, uh, you just got to laugh about it, right? Uh, no elections because democracy. We're saving democracy by not holding elections. You know, do you remember when they actually pretended to care about farmers and flyover country and Iowa was so important? Now they're like, no, nah, we're not even showing up in Iowa. And now you've got Joy Reid, the racist on Hamas NBC uh, basically trashing white Christians. I mean, just this hateful, bigoted remarks that were on MSNBC where she's trashing white Christians. And uh, man, if, if you haven't heard what she had to say, it's like how in the world she still even has a job today is, in, is insane. 
uh, with her hateful, bigoted remarks. Uh, 406-294-0970 is the number for you. If you got something you want to talk about, we've got the phone lines open. First up, uh, we got a caller in Billings listening to KBUL. Roger, thanks for the call. What's on your mind? Jeez, uh, this is a great segue, uh, Aaron, uh, talking about NBC. Um, you would hopefully uh, wish that the news was unbiased. You know, you'd like to turn on the news in the morning and just hear the news. However, uh, listening to the debates yesterday, Nikki Haley made a statement. She said, this has never been a racist country. Uh, meaning, and the way I take it, yes, from the Civil War uh, on, this country has had a seed of morality deeply embedded in it, and it is fought and clawed against racism. Uh, so we went from the Civil War to a black man as the president, and that's that's what she meant by this is not a racist country. They have been racist, uh, really prevalent in the South. Mm -hmm. but they're on the wrong side of history. However, this morning, uh, it was brought up, uh, the statement that Nikki Haley said, this has never been a racist country, which I agree with. Well, Gail King picked up on that, NBC, uh, reported the news. Nikki Haley said, this has never been a racist country. But Gail King added to that, well, I guess she'd never heard of Emmett Till. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, you know, how prejudiced can you get? And if this is, is such a racist com country, then how come so many black people and people of other you know, colors and ethnicities, how come how come millions of them from all over the world are, are desperately trying to get in here? I mean, now, a lot of them are Mexican drug cartels or communist Chinese party activists that are looking to infiltrate this company, uh, country. I'll give you that. But there's, there's also got to be a lot that are just they they that they uh, that they want to to come to this country. They want to be Americans. Right. But and they're being told that you know hey don't follow the legal way of doing it but 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 yeah it's mark levin had had a great rant yesterday when he was talking about what joy reed said about these white christians who think that that they're entitled to this country how many white christians fought against slavery it was it was white christians who were a big part of the abolitionist movement how many white Christians died fighting in the Civil War? How many white Christians died on the beaches uh, in Normandy on D-Day? How many white Christians have sacrificed? You know what I'm saying? Now, now there's there's non-whites non who've done the same and non-white uh, Christians who've done the same. But but he made the point. You go to Arlington Cemetery. Go find all the, the white privilege at Arlington Cemetery, would you, Joy Reid? Exactly. You know, uh, that's my final statement, and, uh, and I agree completely. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening in. Great to hear your perspective. 406-294-0970 is the number for you. Uh, I also thought that was interesting, the, the point that Senator Daines made about about Nikki Haley. And, uh, yeah, I had seen a, a, a similar news report that he mentioned there where, you know, because the Democrats, uh, because they didn't want to have a an Iowa caucus for the Democrat Party because, see, they didn't want to allow people to vote for a Kennedy. They didn't want people to have the chance to vote for a Kennedy. 
Although even if he's running as an independent or either way, they are protecting Joe Biden at all costs here. And so that's why they didn't even want to have the process at all. And so um, uh, and and so anyway, but so some Democrats actually crossed over and voted in the Republican caucuses and they voted for Nikki Haley. Well, isn't that interesting? Because everything the the never Trumpers have been saying is that, well, they want Trump on the ballot because they think Trump's going to be easier to beat. And that's why they're trying to remove him from the ballot in these states like Colorado and Maine. And that's why they're launching all these court cases against him is because they think Trump will be easier to beat and they want him to be on the ballot. Well, if that's true, then why did the Democrat crossover voters that weren't allowed to celebrate democracy in, in their own caucus crossing over? And why were they voting for Nikki Haley then? It's, it's again because they want to do whatever they can to attack Trump and to try to undermine Trump uh, because they are afraid that he will make America great again and, and not uh, continue the transformation that we're currently seeing in this country right now francis and big fork great to hear from you what's on your mind well i was sorry i missed steve Daines, but you know it's great we having snow in big fork and but you know these communists biden and all those guys you know it's so bad that they're trying you know they want to let in all these terrorists and I see the, I don't know how many, the over a hundred ones that were on the terrorist list they caught this year. And, you know, we got to get rid of these terrorists. And Biden just seems to want to let them all in to destroy this country so he can be a dictator. But he won't get to be one. Well, take the Houthis, uh, Houthis alone. So Houthi, the Houthi, Houthi rebels in the deserts of Yemen, they're Iranian proxies, as uh, as Senator Daines pointed out. Uh, I'm, I'm reading this Fox News radio report in front of me. The Biden administration is redesignating the Houthis as a terrorist organization almost three years after Biden removed them from the foreign terrorist organization list in 2021. While it may look like the White House is taking swift action, it will be a lesser designation that could be quickly lifted. So so basically, Donald Trump saw the threat of Iran and the Iranian proxies. And Donald Trump was was brokering peace agreement after peace agreement after peace agreement uh, across the Middle East between Israel and all these Arab countries, uh, Saudi Arabia included. Joe Biden wants to turn the Saudis into the pariah, so he starts trashing the peace agreements. He starts trashing that whole effort, and he starts trashing the Saudis, and and he removes terrorist designations from the Houthis, and he frees up money for Iran, and now the Middle East is set ablaze, and American troops are under continued and repeated attacks. Our vessels are under attack. All the commercial shipping has to go south of the Cape in South Africa instead of the shorter path, lengthening the trip by, what, 20, 30 days for commercial trade. And and so now he's finally going to try to do a little bit of what Trump did after that, after the fact. But even now, he's he's taking a weaker response to it. All this does is invite more of this chaos and more of these attacks, if you ask me. Francis, your thoughts? Well, I'm sure you're right. Because, you know, we can't let these people, and why don't he just take out, you know, the leader of Iran? That's exactly what Trump would have done. 
it banged him. Well, I don't yeah, know if he'd have gone after the leader of Iran, but he took out Qasem Soleimani, didn't he? Yes, but now he could take out a couple more, and then it would be all over with, and he would quit sending money and put tariffs on them. And, you know, that would take care of everything. Well, I, I heard uh, this uh, retired Air Force General Spaulding, and I've interviewed him before. He was the DAT, the defense attache in China. So he knows China very well. But he was on Fox and Friends, I think it was earlier this week or last week. I can't remember, you know, that we've been so busy. Uh, first off, Francis, thanks for the phone call. Great to hear from you. Uh, but he said, you know, when when we finally were able to respond and fire and fire back at the Houthis, the UK and the US and even Republicans praised finally fighting back. I think it cost us about a hundred million dollars in munitions. And General Spalding made the point, you know, when Trump was president, uh, he supported the Saudis fighting back against the Houthis in Yemen. And, you know, uh, the, the Saudis paid for the fight against the Houthis in Yemen, um, but now we're paying for it uh, after they've been launching all these attacks. And so, again, it just shows just how, how uh, uh, Biden is, is Jimmy Carter, uh, but worse, way worse, way worse than, than what Carter did in, in the 70s. Uh, and, by the way, he dropped the ball with Iran, too, didn't he? All right. Uh, next up on the phone lines, Sally in Sunburst. Great to hear from you. What's on your mind? I just had one of your callers talked about opting out of the Northwest Energy, controlling their temperature. Well, I was in the Albertsons checkout line and the Penny's checkout line in Great Falls and got to talking with the clerks. And their temperature is controlled by corporate because it's cheaper for corporate to control the temperatures of all the Penny's and the Albertsons. And one of the gals or guys that works there had a stroke because it was so hot. And finally, the corporate lowered the temperature in that building but they don't get to control it locally man well think about it too if you're sitting at if you're sitting at a corporate headquarters uh you're in a nice cushy office sitting at a desk you know filing tps reports looking for your stapler you're not loading shelves you're not hauling cases of water and you're not so so you don't get uh, hot if it's too hot, right? Because you're just sitting there filing TPS reports. <laughs> so, but the, the men and women, they got to stock the grocery show, uh, grocery shelves. Man, they'll heat up a lot faster, won't they? I know. So I'm just wondering if we opt out of that Northwest thing, will they still be able to jump in and control our heat and cold down the road? Well, that, that's a good question. Um, in fact, we've got a guest from Northwestern Energy that'll be with us on tomorrow's show right at this time. So I, I definitely want to ask I ask him about the, this debate over these smart meters, what they will do, what they won't do, etc. Sally, stand by. I'll come back to you after the break. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. Winter weather definitely making its presence known here in January 2024. But are you like me and are frustrated when you look at your phones or computers and the weather apps that you have on those smart devices? And it just seems that the weather reports that are on your phones just aren't very accurate. Agricultural meteorologist with Nutrient Ag Solutions, Andrew Pritchard, says... That's all because it's a computer model. Again, it's convenient, it's nice, but you are opening up a computer model and looking at its verbatim output. And so that's why it's often wrong. 
it's often changing frequently because, hey, in six hours, 12 hours, that model is going to run again. It's going to have a totally different forecast. So it's nice. They're tools. I'm not going to, you know, slam them or anything, but you have to understand that it is just a direct computer forecast. No one's looked at it to say whether or not it makes sense. And that is why they are always changing and, and why they're sometimes wrong. And, and for farmers and ranchers and heck, anyone that lives in a rural area, we're dependent on accurate weather forecasts. That's why I depend on our real individuals, those forecasters and meteorologists that share the vital information about weather here in rural Montana on this local radio dial. I'm Lane Northland. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Hey, uh, if you want to call in, we've got uh, some phone lines open for you right now, 406-294-0970. And, of course, you can message us on our Montana Talks app as well. Uh, Let's see. We had uh, some messages that have come in here. In fact, uh, some in just the past couple of minutes and then some messages were waiting for me in studio because we were uh, taking the show on the road in Warden, Montana yesterday. So uh, so some of these messages I didn't see till today. In fact, one of them came from Sally in Sunburst. I was going to go back to Sally on the phone lines, but looks like she said her piece and she and she said she was good to go. Uh, but I did tell her that I would I would still share her message that she sent to us. This came in after Monday's show. But I think it's it's pertinent uh, to today's conversation as well. Uh, Sally sent us this after Monday's program. Just think how different our USA would be if Trump was just now coming to the end of his second term in 2024. Would our border be open chaos or controlled legal entry? Would other countries be saber rattling or behaving themselves? Would the upcoming election have states erasing a competitor from the ballot or letting the U.S. citizen stay on the ballot if he or she is chosen by the constitutional process? Would the Mexican cartels have a stranglehold on drugs gone rampant in the USA? Would 12 million illegal immigrants be swamping our unprepared cities? Would inflation be sucking thousands from family incomes or not? Imagine the upcoming 2024 election process. Just think of how the USA and our world would be right now had Trump been able to complete his second term. Anyway, great message from Sally and Sunburst. And even better uh, to, to hear your voice and to hear your phone call just a few minutes ago. 406-294-0970. Let's go to Randy in Lewistown next up. Randy, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. Thanks for listening to KQPZ. Randy, are you there? Am I? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Hey, all right. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, with all this border talk and, I, you know, there's a lot that I call domestic terrorism. And I'm, I'm going to refer that to a little bit about the um, homelessness and, you know, the new wave of illegal immigrants that come in to, you know, we got them in Bozeman, got them in Billings, Kalispell. We live in Lewistown, and we've been fighting that warming shelter you know, situation. That's right, yeah. And, you know, when you got new people come in and you, you know, you're polite, you're kind, 
and you try to talk to them and they don't speak English, you know, and then guess who's the first ones in line for the warming shelter, which is kind of weird since Biden's handed them gift cards, money, and cars, you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of scary because all this has one thing in common. It's a sickness. It's like a democratic disease. Every one of these people that run the warming shelter, if you look into the background, they're Democrats. And I'm sorry to say that, but they are. And when they make statements like, we don't care what the community wants, we are going to open this whether you vote for it or not. Okay, that's great. You're going to get grants from a local Democrat who makes 28% off that grant. You know, the building was donated by a Democrat. Nice. You took a legal liability away from him, you know. And it, it all comes down to that little bit of greed, that little bit of sickness, that money. Well, and I thought you know, and, I thought uh, I thought uh, Senator Bartell out of Lewistown made the best point on that whole warming center discussion. He's like, "Look, we've we've had people that have come on tough times here in Lewistown, and and people in Lewistown have opened up their own homes to help out their friends and neighbors, right?" But he said, "But if you if you bring one of these, if but if you build it here again, it's the field of dreams analogy. If you build one of these here, they will come, and you're going to get this this out of state." criminal transient element that will move in uh, missoula has been recruiting them for years and we've seen how that's played out right yep well and i work at a hotel and i see it there are very very generous people in those town and i'm talking about christian people that will buy somebody a room in a hotel and do everything they can to help out people go out of their way to help out and i don't see a problem with that however as the position I work at this hotel, I see the damage done. I get to fix it. And clean up people afterwards. My, you know, people sticking um, lighters in a microwave and boom, and, you know, floors being melted, walls being destroyed. I, you know what? Hey, thank you. I get to fix it. Yeah. And, and eat you the know, cost at the same time. Just, yeah, that's just, a, that's just a minimal thing. That's not even the consequences of of the bus that's supposed to show up in billing with billings with a thousand people ready to move on in where yeah where are you going to live i know that's why you know this this big news about the manufacturer the or the german engineering firm that's going to be in lewistown a lot of people are real excited and then a lot of people are really nervous man it's going to change lewistown forever is one thing our friend paul Mushaven said whereas Whereas in Glendive, they really need that big investment that was just announced there. So it's getting, you know, near unanimous uh, uh, approval uh, on that news. But, yeah, you, you, you exp you, yeah, I think you're, you're telling some concerns that a lot of folks have. That's for sure. Well, in that German thing, it is huge. It is the best thing that will ever happen to Lewistown. I know we're going to grow, but the complaints we hear is, oh, we don't have workers now. No, you know what you're going to have now? Competition. You're going to have to start giving people insurance, medical. You're going to have to start paying people, or, yeah, they're going to go to a better company. Well, and this is real wealth, uh, these jobs that are going to be there, too. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, like just like those great manufacturers. And, and look, I know I know growth is tough, um, but, but sometimes if you're not growing, you're dying. And we know that there's outfits yep. outfits like the APR and others. They would love to see Lewistown die because they don't want you there. They don't, they don't want your ranches there. They want to turn it into their playground for their liberal elites. And so, uh, so you know, there's, there's small towns in Montana that wish they could get something like that because they know that, man, something like that's going 
going to bring in high wages and it's going to keep these communities alive and strong. Hey, Randy, I really appreciate your phone call. Great to hear from you. Call in more often. I appreciate hearing your perspective. All right. All right. Thanks. Hey, thank you. All right. Let me sneak in another caller here. Let's see. Uh, We got Joe in Billings. Joe, what's on your mind? You know how you guys were talking about being able to control how much heat or electric somebody uses? A while back, and I don't know if they're still doing this, MDU was offering free digital thermostats. They would come out and put them in so people would get updated. And I'm just curious, would those thermostats be able to control how much heat you use or, you know, your air conditioning? And my assumption, if I remember right, I think these these various companies are saying, hey, that's not what we're going to do. That's not why we're putting these things out there. People can opt out of these things. It's the capability that people are concerned about because down in Denver, Colorado, with the leftist government they have there, they actually did it. They actually wouldn't allow people to lower to 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 lower the temperature in the midst of of a massive heat wave. And. Man, I tell you right. what, uh, yeah, as cold as it's been here, would you really want somebody else responsible for your thermostat? Oh, uh, that wasn't me hanging up. I think uh, I think that Joe uh, either said her piece or or uh, or might have hung up accidentally there. All right, well, Joe, hey, great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. Uh, hey, we got another great caller on the phone lines right now, and uh, he told me he was going to call in. I'm glad I'm glad he's doing it because this is kind of a cool deal that's coming up here. Uh, you guys know our our friend. Uh, he's kind of a big deal. His last name is Kelsey. Uh, now, he's not da- dating Taylor Swift, but you'll see him wearing a Chiefs jersey from time to time. Dave Kelsey, uh, you know, many of you know him. He's on the board for Yellowstone Valley Electric Cooperative, but he also serves with another organization, the Montana Council uh, of Cooperatives, if I got the, the title right there. This is not just for electric cooperatives, but all sorts of cooperatives. Uh, Dave, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Really appreciate you getting this on. Good. Do you got your Chiefs jersey on? Are you hanging out with Taylor Swift, or what, what's up today? No, I have not really met that uh, qualification yet. <laughs> well, you're close. You're close. Uh, she she's with the wrong Kelsey. I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so tell us, yeah, this Montana Council of Electric Cooperatives, I know I've gotten to talk with Tracy before on the program, and it's kind of, you know, a lot of our listeners are familiar with the benefits of an electric cooperative, but there's increased excitement about all sorts of co-ops, a grocery co-op. Uh, I mean, you name it, almost anything can, can be formed into a cooperative anymore, right? Oh, exactly right, Aaron, and, and uh, we have our annual meeting coming up uh, the 29th and 30th in, in Great Falls. And uh, at the Heritage Inn, we uh, we represent cooperatives of all all sizes, all types, telecoms, uh, ag supply co-ops, uh, electric cooperatives, uh, credit unions, you name it. Um, like you said, we, uh, one of our goals is to help people and develop the uh, cooperative way of doing things, and uh, it's it's really been a successful. A financial model that has been accepted throughout the state. That's right. Well, hold that thought, Dave. I got to hit my hard break here, and uh, it's our shortest break of the hour, and then we'll talk uh, more with Dave Kelsey. Yeah, about their big uh, statewide uh, meeting coming up at the end of the month in Great Falls.
Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative, they do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yes, Dave Kelsey was telling us this upcoming uh, statewide meeting taking place in Great Falls for the Montana uh, Council on Cooperatives. I mean, almost anything can, any business can can be a co-op, can be a cooperative, telecom, groceries, of course, electric cooperatives, uh, which we're familiar with. Uh, So, Dave, what are the benefits of going to this meeting coming up 29 through 30 in Great Falls? Well, it's a it's a great area to get some networking, but it's uh, also an opportunity to hear from uh, people that have found a need for cooperatives and started new ones uh, in their community. Um, we've we've got a great uh, couple of people coming in from Rosebud and Bighorn County that saw a need for uh, having a bank banking facility in their community that was not there anymore, and so they created a credit union. So, uh, which is a cooperative for them. And uh, we've got um, uh, a panel discussion that gets input from uh, credit unions, um, telecoms, uh, the um, egg supply cooperatives, and uh, electric cooperatives, as well as housing cooperatives. Um, One of the things that's come up very important uh, is the child care having child care opportunities for employees. And they're finding that um, cooperatives is a nice way to kind of address that. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just get more innovative with how you how you deliver a basic. Yeah, because that's a big challenge in small town Montana. And, and it's been a big challenge. I mean, the Missoula Chamber of Commerce has identified that as one of their big challenges, too. It, it's a big challenge throughout the state, Aaron. And uh, an, another thing that uh, uh, cooperatives are doing is uh, in the Harlequin area, they created a cooperative to uh, re- revitalize the community, uh, do some building upgrades and things like that that, that um, you know, has some of our smaller communities have, um, you know, kind of died off, some of the businesses and so on. And so they're trying to reinvigorate some of the communities with uh cooperative spirit like that yeah and it's not too late to sign up as i understand it and be able to attend this event what's the best way for people to sign up and and uh, take part go to our, our website the montana council of cooperatives website it'd be montanacouncil.coop and click on uh annual meeting and it'll take you down you can look at the agenda and and register for the event all right. Well, great. Well, Dave Kelsey, always great to hear from you, my friend. Thanks for calling in. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, hey, hey, keep us posted on some of the folks that maybe maybe there's an, an, an interesting guest speaker or some big news that comes out of the event. And, uh, yeah, keep us posted if, if, if somebody wants to call in and talk about it. Well, uh, we've got, uh, Aaron, we've got Doug O'Brien, President and CEO of the National Business Cooperative, our, our keynote uh, speaker. He, he will be great. And uh, the, I, I think he's got a, a real nice perspective on how important cooperatives are and so on. That's great. All right, Dave, thanks again for the call. Great to hear from you. 
Thank you very much, Aaron. Bye. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, back into the phone lines we go, 406-294-0970, or you can message us on our Montana Talks app. Next up on the phone lines, we've got Lucas Schubert in Kalispell listening to KJJR. Lucas, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, Lucas Schubert here, candidate for House District 8, running um, up here in Evergreen. Uh, but, no, yeah, so I'm calling in because of what the previous caller was saying about this massive influx in people. You know, you have these liberals that are here, and they're complaining about a housing crisis, which is fair enough. Housing is very unaffordable. Uh, the cost of living is very high. But then you have these guys that are supporting all these refugees and all these illegal immigrants coming in here. That's hundreds, if not thousands of people. That's going to affect housing prices. So it's a problem. And, you know, there's also the, of course, aspect of the drug and human trafficking that's coming along with it. Not saying that every illegal is drug or human trafficking, but a large amount are. It's a problem. So I'll tell you, you know, what we need to do as a state, because we're getting zero support from the federal government. We got Biden up there, you know, doing nothing, chewing bubble gum all day. Uh, ice so cream. We need Eating the ice get, cream. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's White House Eating Senior Living. White House Senior Living. You get all the ice cream you want. It's a, it's a great senior living facility. It's a, it, it must be nice. I mean, hey, at least uh, at least that's one positive thing. He's going to have a good last couple of years of being in the White House and whatnot. So. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, we don't, we're not getting any support from the federal government, so we gotta, we gotta do something. I, you know, as a state, just going and just putting them on buses, heading them over to California, back to Mexico, or even I bet Canada would take them. You know, they're always wanting to be as diverse as possible, so I'm sure that they'd love to take some of the uh, illegal immigrants here. But, uh, you know, we gotta do something about it because this increase in drugs is killing a lot of people. And, of course, the sex trafficking is awful. Even children are being trafficked. It's completely unacceptable. We need to get law enforcement on this and just completely eradicate it well, out and, of the state. And, and it's also why don't build the services don't provide the services you know, like in, in school district two in billings they want to uh, create a charter school specifically for so-called refugees that we don't even know if they've been properly vetted okay so you provide the services you encourage more of this behavior if you build it they will come don't build the support exactly. programs for illegals and falsely labeled refugees and you won't encourage the invasion lucas schubert hey great to hear from you thanks for calling in always a pleasure always a pleasure uh tomorrow let's see tomorrow uh, uh, oh, we're going to have uh, John Hines from Northwestern Energy in the second half, and we'll keep the phone lines open in the first half of the of the program tomorrow.